Welcome to the CPS Truth Now podcast, where the truth will set you free from CPS atrocities. And now your host, Adamar Garcia. CPS Truth Now podcast, where the truth will set you free from CPS atrocities. We decided to discuss the case about foster children in the system. That means children who have been taken from their families and placed in group homes or foster families. Before we get to it, I want you to understand that I took this information from an original article by Carlos Morales at Liberty.me posted on August 12, 2014. So please keep that in mind when listening to this podcast. But first, a word from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Kadosh Media, where we are giving the remnant a voice. Kadosh Media is a podcast launching service that provides web design services, web hosting, podcast launching, podcast production, podcast hosting, and podcast marketing services for kingdom-minded podcasters. If you want to launch a podcast, just go to www.kadoshmedia.com. And now, on with the show. Foster Children in the System I want to take the time to discuss something that seems to be never-ending, and that is the case about foster children specifically in the system. When we try and contemplate and the horrendous truth that there are hundreds of thousands of children in America that are regularly abused, we begin to seek answers for how to fix the issues. Now, I can empathize with the question, do we need to just start removing kids from their homes? The government's attempt at this has not been without severe repercussions that are truly catastrophic. It is necessary that those who wish to assume on the positive effects of removal to face the truth. And the truth is, the history of foster homes has been a history of abuse and death. Now, personally... My own dad was in the foster care system. His story is constant abuse, but one he told about could not be fabricated. He was in a foster care where he worked for a man who owned a dairy farm. This man abused my father constantly. However, the one story that still sticks in my mind is the one where he was beaten with a two-by-four until his legs were broken. He was told to tell the doctors that he fell from a grain silo so that he basically would not be removed from the home. That story was believed. This was not the truth. The truth was that he had been beaten until his legs were broken by a man who held a two-by-four in his hands, not from falling from a grain silo. Now, the history of foster homes. The first state-backed foster homes in the U.S. weren't created until the Children's Aid Society in 1853, where children were removed from homes and became indentured servants for family farms. Then, in 1909, Theodore Roosevelt created a publicly funded volunteer organization that would, quote, establish and publicize standards of child care, end quote. This is only one aspect of the history. The darker side 
is one steeped in a eugenics plan created by British and American aristocrats to prevent the, quote, scourge of savages, end quote, which began to bloom in the U.S. due to the creation of prosperity through the Industrial Revolution. This led to Hispanics, Blacks, and Native American families having their children removed from their home and dumped into white foster homes for re-education. They doubled down on efforts to prevent the, quote, scourge of savages, end quote, coming to the United States by forcibly sterilizing over 100,000 people in the United States. You can see the true history of eugenics interview with James Corbett to get a more thorough history of this interesting and unique plan. Now, in current foster home system, it does not stress these drastic measures to reduce population size. However, the current practices have been disastrous, to say the least. You must understand that over 85% of removals are not for physical or sexual abuse. And this must be kept in mind when looking at the comparison between how a child was cared for before and after placed in foster care. Let me restate this. 85% of removals are not, not for physical or sexual abuse. Now, when looking at these statistics and studies, an individual may mention the fact that the harmful effects of these foster homes were simply a result of what the child had experienced before being placed and not because of the foster homes. The study entitled Child Protection and Child Outcomes, Measuring the Effects of Foster Care by Joseph J. Doyle Jr. discovered that after removing variables which could have deviated or confused the data, he finds that an abused child placed in foster care is 10 to 20% more likely to be arrested, 10 to 20% more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, and 10% less likely to be a working adult than the abused child who was not placed in foster care. Now, let me state this. I am not saying that we should not remove children, but I am saying that there is a big problem when there's 10 to 20% of children who are going to be like this and in these situations when they were not removed. So let's look at how much abuse actually occurs in these foster homes. First, there are approximately 400,000 children in out-of-home care in the United States. Almost 10% of children in foster care have stayed in foster care for five or more years. Nearly half of all children in foster care have chronic medical problems. Children in foster care experience high rates of child abuse, emotional deprivation, and physical neglect. In one study in the UK, foster children were seven to eight times more likely to be abused than a child in the general population. Let me restate that. Children are seven to eight times more likely to be abused in foster care 
than children in the general public. Now, a study of foster children in Oregon and Washington State found that nearly one-third reported being abused by a foster parent or another adult in a foster home. Keeping in mind that only 15% of removals are for physical or sexual abuse. Again, that's 15%. It is startling how much actual abuse is occurring in these foster homes. Let's look at the mental health of these children. In the Casey Family Program's Harvard study, quote, more than half the study participants reported clinical levels of mental illness after being in a foster home compared to less than a quarter of the general population, end quote. Now, the mental health of foster children is not without its uniqueness. For example, most suffer from what is known as post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD, where it is more commonly and incredibly common result of foster homes. For those who've not studied the subject, PTSD is an anxiety disorder that may develop after a person is exposed to one or more traumatic events. And these traumatic events could be sexual assault, serious injury, or even the threat of death. PTSD causes biochemical changes both in the brain and the body that differ from other psychiatric disorders such as major depression. There are actual detriment physical issues that occur in the brain, namely alterations in the prefrontal cortex, amygdala, and hippocampus of PTSD individuals. In some cases, changes are permanent and have a slew of side effects as a result. In one study, 60% of children who had experienced sexual abuse in foster homes had PTSD. 42% of those who had been physically abused while in foster homes fulfilled the PTSD criteria. PTSD was also found in 18% of the children who were not abused. That's 18% of children who were not physically or sexually abused in foster homes had PTSD just from things they witnessed in these foster homes. Keep in mind that children are seven to eight times more likely to be abused in these foster homes. Kids who aren't abused are quite rare. In a study conducted in Oregon and Washington State, the rate of PTSD in adults who were in foster care for one year between the ages of 14 to 18 was found to be higher than that of combat veterans, with 25% of those in the study meeting the diagnostic criteria as compared to 12-13% of Iraq War veterans and 15% of Vietnam War veterans, and a rate of 4% in the general population. The recovery rate for foster home alumni was 28.2% as opposed to 47% in the general population. Keep in mind, these are just the individuals who were in foster care for one year. Now, this is in no way to speak badly about soldiers. But in the cases in the modern era, i.e. post-draft, 
These troops chose to throw themselves in harm's way. Now, whether they did that to fight for freedom or fight for a paycheck, there was still a choice. The children that were placed in foster homes had no choice whatsoever. And I remind you, 85% were placed in foster homes that were not sexually or physically abused. Now, what about other brain development and body development problems? The effects of foster homes are not only affecting these children's brain development, but also their body. Children in foster care are more likely to suffer from food maintenance syndrome, characterized by the set of aberrant eating behaviors of children in foster care. It is a, quote, a pattern of excessive eating and food acquisition and maintenance behaviors without concurrent obesity. It resembles the behavioral correlates of hyperphagic short stature. It is hypothesized that this syndrome is triggered by stress and maltreatment. This rare disorder is not the only issue, however, as bulimia nervosa is seven times more predominant in foster children. Now, what about pharmaceutical drugs? Because we hear that pharmaceutical drugs are given to foster children, and it's not that bad. Well, let's get into that discussion regarding pharmaceutical drugs in foster homes. It's important to note that there is an incentive for children to be labeled as mentally ill as soon as they get into a foster home. The more mental diagnosed a child has, the more money a foster home is given. A child who's just been placed in a foster home is likely to have temperamental issues, issues with sleeping and concentration as they've just been stripped away from their community, family, school, etc. And in certain cases, simply due to South's allegations of abuse or even a parent's marijuana use. Now, according to a state mental health practitioner, it means the child has a mental illness and not emotional issues that are a result of traumatic event. Now let's see that in practice. Studies have revealed that youth in foster care covered by Medicaid insurance receive psychotropic medication at a rate that was three times higher than that of Medicaid-insured youth who qualify by low family income. Again, children who are in foster care are three times more likely than poor children in the general public to receive psychotropic drugs. In a review that took place from September 2003 to August 2004 of the medical records of 32,135 Texas children in foster care, that were 0 to 19 years old, 12,189 were prescribed psychotropic medication, resulting in an annual prevalence of 38% of all the children in these foster homes being prescribed psychotropic medication. Keep in mind that this review included children from 0 to 2 who are not very likely to receive these drugs. Removing those children would undoubtedly reveal a much higher percentage. Now, 41.3% of the 38% who received psychotropic medication received three different classes of these drugs during July 2004. 
15.9% received four different classes. The most frequently used medications were 56.8% of antidepressants, 55.9% were ADHD disorder drugs, and 53.2% were antipsychotic agents. The study also showed that youth in foster care are frequently treated with a co-concomitant psychotropic medication, which means two or more psychotropic drugs at the same time, for which sufficient evidence regarding safety and effectiveness is not available. In these cases, a new drug is given to a child to mitigate the side effects of another drug. So, for example, a child is given Adderall, a stimulant, which then causes them to have temperamental issues and sleeping issues. Instead of taking the child off the medication, the child is then put on a mood stabilizer and another drug to put them to sleep. The drug interactions in these cases have not been tested in the clinic, so essentially these kids are becoming guinea pigs and basically a scientific experiment. Now, what about the economic expense? Now, the use of expensive brand name patent protected medication was prevalent in the studies regarding foster children. In the case of SSRIs, the use of the most expensive medication was noted to be 74% compared to the general market where only 28% are for brand name SSRIs instead of generics. The average out-of-pocket expense per prescription was $34.75 for generics and $90.17 for branded products, which is a $55.42 difference. That's the economic cost, which isn't as important as the mental effects on the children. So what about the physical expense? Well... Severe side effects, including more severe depression, lower IQ, a lack of brain growth in children, suicidal tendencies, emotional aggravation, anger outbursts, and those are just the mental side effects. There are other physical side effects, which can include stunted growth of organs, as well as overall stunted growth, weight gain for some, and even weight loss for others. What about homelessness? How do these kids do after getting out of foster care? Three out of 10 of the U.S. homeless are former foster children. According to the result of the Casey family study of foster care alumni, up to 80% are doing poorly with one quarter to one third of former foster children at or below the poverty line. That's three times the national poverty rate. Very frequently, people who are homeless had multiple placements as children. Some were in foster care, but others experienced unofficial placements in the homes of family or friends. Here's the real quick kicker of the whole thing. And I mean, it is the real kicker. Nearly half of foster children in the U.S. become homeless when they turn 18, regardless of whether they're placed with family or friends or other foster families. And get this, children are six times more likely to die in foster homes than if they stayed in an abusive household. 
So what's my final point? Let's do a short review of the evidence regarding foster children. Foster kids are seven to eight times more likely to be abused than normal children. Nearly half will end up homeless. They are three times more likely to put on, be put on psychotropic drugs, seven times more likely to develop an eating disorder, more likely to have PTSD than veterans of war, and less likely to recover from that PTSD. They are more likely to become pregnant as a teenager, 20% more likely to be arrested, and are six times more likely to die than if they stayed in an abusive household. So what does that mean? It means that foster homes are where good kids go to die. And it is time for people to acknowledge that truth. That when the state fixes problems, quote, end quote, it leads to the blood of the innocent flowing on the floor. All of us are standing in blood. And the majority are asking for more to be shed when they ask for more state intervention. So, in conclusion, I want you to remember that this originally was written by Carlos Morales on August 12, 2014, and his convictions and conclusions are not necessarily those of the CPS Truth Now podcast. However, these statistics are just a small taste of what is the truth and the atrocities that are being committed by Child Protective Services, and it's just not that. It is not the truth. It is not protecting children. It is tearing families apart one by one and leaving not only the family in ruins, but also communities of America and society in general are also being left in shambles. So please remember that I am Adam R. Garcia, the host of CPS Truth Now, where the truth will set you free from CPS atrocities. With that, I say good night and goodbye, and I will see you on the truthful side. You've been listening to the CPS Truth Now podcast with your host, Ademar Garcia where the truth will set you free from CPS atrocities. We will see you next time on The Truthful Side.